Welcome to Further Up and Further In. I'm Amy and I'm here with Michelle. Hey Amy, today we're going to talk about what if. The big what if questions. I think it's common to humans, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Constantly wondering, well, what if this and what if that? And I don't think it's specific even to a personality type. It's like being a human makes us curious about possibilities Mm -hmm. in a healthy way. And also we can have like a, a, there's a dark side to that where we anticipate everything that could go wrong. That can become unhealthy to some degree. Mm-hmm. Because the what ifs are rarely like, what if I mi- win a million dollars yeah. tomorrow? It's like, it's what if I'm in a car accident and blah, blah, blah. The what yeah. ifs rarely are the exuberant dreaming what ifs. I don't know about you, Amy, but for me years ago, this was a way that consumed so much of my mental and emotional energy. I was constantly thinking, okay, what if about everything Mm -hmm. in my life? Like what if with kids just accentuated it hugely because now pieces of my heart were running around out there that stuff could happen to my husband, you know, just what if all the time. And did you, I'm curious if it's similar between all of us. Yeah. Do you follow the train of thought all the way down? Or is it like, what if my husband's in a car accident? Or is it, what if my husband's in a car accident? And then this is how I would deal with it. This is how. So for me, as a young adult, I spent a lot of my time playing out the whole scenario in my head. And I actually remember, I actually remember this conscious thought, which is very funny to me now, is that I remember thinking, I'm such a good planner. Man, I am such a good planner. Look at me go figuring out how I would handle things if this happened. I'm so prepared. Mm -hmm. Like it really made logical sense in my head to be to be playing out these what ifs in my head, not just, so this is like before we all had cell phones, right? My husband had an hour long drive to where he worked, winter time here, the roads yuck. And if he was a half an hour late, I would start to think, well, what if he, that really bad hill, man, people get in accidents there all the time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, like you say, I didn't just stop there. I I would go from there to, if he's dead, then I will do this, right? Like (laughs) play it out long enough, that's where I'd land. Yeah, does that feel normal to you? Or what do you think? I'm some kind of crazy. (laughs) I mean, I think it's the normal kind of crazy. (laughs) It's an average level of crazy. That's perfect. Yes, that's what I want. Actually want to be so much not that anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's the what if. And the what ifs lead to anxiety. Yeah, a lot of anxiety. And I, I think, I mean, you know enough of my story to know that fear was a constant companion in my life. But fear is kind of this whole big spectrum of emotions Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it's really important to recognize that when we're talking about anxiety that's a huge spectrum of just feeling apprehension of what's to come is anxiety all the way to the full-blown paralysis panic attacks incapable of functioning yeah and so it's a spectrum and so when we use the word anxiety i think now sometimes um, we just automatically go to the worst case scenario of what anxiety means. And so we're using it to mean the full spectrum. And often this what if starts in the little apprehension of what's to come. Yes. And it's, it's like a beast that you feed. Yeah. I mean, for me it was, and looking back over my life, recognizing that I fit into that whole spectrum, Amy, like Mm -hmm. just low level of anxiousness, a lot of the time feeding into what ifs. And you know, here's the thing that I think most people would who live in any level of regular fear and anxiety is that you've got some facts to prove it, Mm. right? To back it up. Stuff had happened in my life. I had experienced traumas, traumas that I never anticipated. Funny, not ever anything I imagined out, but something like that came out of nowhere and just devastated us. And so I would say, well, it's logical 
for me to be anxious about things that could happen because stuff mm. has happened. Yeah. So live in a low level of anxiety all the time because you just never know what's going to happen. But that kind of just reinforced fear uh, in different ways. And that fear would just then amp up into full-blown panic attacks sometimes. So Mm -hmm. it is a whole spectrum. For myself, I have found similar principles to to deal with day-to-day anxiety as great big huge Mm. fear. Mm-hmm. incapacitating fear in the self-planning yes. what you talked about <laughs> it's really a warped sense of self-protection it really was like i i told you i thought i was planning for everything yeah. in a sense that was a manifestation of control yeah because if i can figure out what i will do then i will be safe and i will be okay and it made me feel a little more in control but it also used like a ton of emotion and energy and the edge of that fear just got louder and louder until like in this instance my husband would get home but i could have been at perfect peace the whole time as i waited for him Mm -hmm. but i fed the fear by feeding into the control and my self-protection plans and on your blog post on this matter Yes. wildobedience.com thanks you for have the a, plug <laughs> you have a saying that I really liked when you're talking about fear that as you're feeding into the fear in our planning to protect yeah. Yeah. we're not solving anything we're just nope. robbing ourselves of the current joy it's so true it is so true so of all my things that I anticipated you know that were going to possibly happen that I was going to plan for honestly Amy not a single one of those things ever happened mm. none none other stuff did happen <laughs> Yeah. As logical as it was for me to plan things out, that's actually not logical because I was losing so much joy and peace. Like so much, Amy. Mm -hmm. You're there at home with your little kids. Well, I don't know if you've had this experience, but man, when I got something going on in the background of my mind, consuming my emotional energy when the kids needed me, I didn't show up really well. Oh, yeah. You checked out. Yep. You know, the edge was quick, the response, you know, there was no peace. We were being robbed. And I, I pictured this fear, anxiety, control, like these ugly triumvirate, you know, just laughing their heads off at how they were robbing me of joy. There was no reality to it. Mm. None at all. And so all that emotional energy, all that beautiful brain space, like it so robbed me of creativity. The truth is other stuff did happen, right? Mm -hmm. You know, my life stuff happens from time to time. And every time something does happen, God is there Mm -hmm. and he helps me. And he helps me make a plan all the way through it because that's who he is. He loves us. Mm -hmm. So all my quote, planning, wasn't protecting me, consuming my joy and my energy. Taking your imagination that God gave for creativity and to use this expression of worship has now, is now being shifted and you're using the imagination to tighten the fear and control. Yeah. And I think for me, it's always valuable for me to recognize, hey, it wasn't just me, it was robbing. Then it's robbing my kids. Then it's robbing my husband when he walks in the door to a bit of a crazy wife, you know? using that term mildly, right? But not okay. So I learned the very, the thing that I really learned about this is that every single thought that starts with what if, I actually need to kill it. Mm. I need to kill it. And those thoughts pop into your head, what if? And that's different than what do I need to pack for this weekend? Yeah. What if it snows? Well, then take boots, right? That's not the kind of what ifs I'm talking about. But what if my husband's dead? What if something happens to my daughter out on the road? What if? Something that is accompanied with a feeling of dread. Yep. So in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it talks about this thing of taking captive every thought. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Yeah, so that's when I think of the what-if thought popping into my head, I'm just like, bam, stop it. Mm -hmm. Capture, Capture it. 
contain it. That thought actually doesn't belong to me. I started to realize that there's nothing. What if doesn't belong to God? Like mm. this knowledge and understanding of how God works. He Every promise that he has for us is yes, amen. So every time I would start with a what if thought, I knew that I didn't have to just stop it. I had to replace it. Mm. And so I would start to replace it with, because the reality is, yep, my husband could be in an accident. That's true. But if he is, there's a promise. So what would the promise be? Mm. And then I would start to dwell on that, which crazy, go figure, that thinking something like, I will never leave you or forsake you. There's another verse in Isaiah that I love where it says, every detail of your life matters to God. So I would start thinking about those. Well, guess what? When you start thinking about, he's never going to leave me or forsake me. He's always going to be with me. He loves me with a love that will never end. He cares about the details of my life. I started to feel like more peaceful than I felt even before the what if thought came. Mm. Why? Because I'm dwelling on truth. I'm dwelling on something that gives us life. So it was crazy to go from someone who kind of lived with this anxious what if all the time to projecting possibilities, Mm -hmm. right? Projecting positive possibilities that are based on a rock solid promise from God. And I am old enough now that I actually recognize (laughs) I've been through some things and God has been faithful. He's Mm -hmm. always been with me. He's given me the strategies and resources I needed. Was it hard? Yeah, everybody's got hard, but not all hard leads to peace. Sometimes it leads to, leads to destruction. And I really was just picking a different ending for my own story, which is kind of cool when you think about it. Mm-hmm. That piece of replacing it with the promises is really important yeah. because to just recognize we're doing this what if and try and kill it, but not replacing it no. with anything doesn't actually work. It's a lot of work and you just actually end up spending more and more time Mm -hmm. managing this. Mm -hmm. Still giving energy to that. To that, Mm -hmm. even though it's an energy of trying to kill, kill, control. Well, it's another thing of control. And all we're trying to do is stop ourselves from thinking this way. Instead of being like, I will not think this way, I'm going this way. And that really relates back to our Breaking Agreements podcast. It's true. Of you need to break agreement and then know the truth of what you're aligning yourself with. Yeah. So you can check out that Breaking Agreements podcast if you don't know what we're talking about. But for in this story, it would look like I break agreement with the fear that something awful could happen to my husband today. And I ask you, Jesus, what you have for me instead. And he has for me perfect peace. Mm-hmm. That no matter what happens, he is with me. He's going to help me. And I actually don't have a thing to dread. Yeah. Stuff will happen. I don't ever want to come across as this Pollyanna who has like not two brain cells to rub together. Yeah. But the reality, yep, stuff happens. And here we are, loved by God, protected by God, held by God. He has walked me through valleys and shadows, and he will you too. There's a verse that I grew up learning out of the out of the King James Version, of course, in Isaiah 26. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And so I went and looked that up in the Passion Translation because I love a fresh translation because mm-hmm. it just helps me see it in a new way. It's a great, great passage. And in the Passion Translation, it says, Perfect, absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed with you. They confidently trust in you. Oh, that's such a good verse, right? Imaginations of all the possible things that it's consumed by thoughts of Jesus. And God gave us an imagination, Mm -hmm. obviously. And the enemy would corrupt that with projections of what awful things could happen. And God wants to have our imaginations captivated by him and his promises. Mm -hmm. And so actually, I'm such a word nerd. That word imagination, the Hebrew word, it looks like yetzer to me, but who knows, because I'm no scholar. But it it means the imagination that forms and frames things. Like your imagination shapes things. I love that idea. So Mm -hmm. I can shape my moment and thereby the atmosphere that I create for everybody who's around me Mm -hmm. with what I'm imagining in my head. 
Yeah. And we're going to, because we have brain space. It works all the mm-hmm. time. My brain is a busy place. I think most people's are. Yeah. And the frame, right? When you say frame up, yeah. it makes me think of a house. Yeah. Like, what are you framing that is holding, that is the structure that is underpinning everything else? Everything else. So I don't, I think it's a great idea to imagine Jesus in my future. Yeah. <laughs> so what if? Yeah, there's that what if thought. And the answer is, oh man, even if that happened, Jesus would be so with me. Mm -hmm. I use this kind of tool sometimes when I'm in the midst of moments where I feel kind of out of control. I think most humans do. People around me are constantly making choices I have no power over. And just thinking, because we just came through Christmas now, and that's a time, hey, the whole family is all together, stuff can come up, people can say and do things. And I have in the past projected, well, what if so-and-so goes off the rails and then they start acting this way? Mm. Well, actually Jesus is at the table with us. That's truth. Yeah. So I'm not making something up, but I'm imagining, okay, Jesus is there at the table with us. Well, what's his response? Mm. So interesting, Amy, his response is he actually loves everybody there. He sees what's driving the different behaviors and he is peaceful and sometimes just visually even picturing Jesus is sitting here and he's peaceful. I can tap into that peace. He has that mm-hmm. peace for me, even when other people are doing things that are out of my control. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, really good thing for, for sure for someone like me who's had a lot of anxi- low-level anxiety and just that restless apprehension about so many things. Mm-hmm. I don't anymore. Okay. It's actually possible yeah. to be free. So once upon a time, I would have taken the dread bait and imagined all the things that were statistically possible. Actually, Amy, so many of those things, the statistical likelihood of them happening was so low that it's true. It's kind of funny now, right? Outside of the situation, I can look at it and go, wow, the chances of that happening were this, but you spent this much brain energy. So yeah, no more taking the dread bait. Let's imagine Jesus. He really does bring us perfect and absolute peace. Stuff will happen. He is there. We can trust him to carry us through as we go further up and further in.